0: So we'd like to welcome you to part two for our current event and weekly Bible study for January thirteenth, 2008. And we're going to uh, take it from the top now, all the Rethink conference speakers. This is going to be the last part of this particular study. And uh, it's entitled, Rethink as a Convergence of Thinkers, Innovators, and Leaders from the Christian and the Global, should say, Secular Arenas. We're purposely gathering a group of speakers. Now this is from their website. Okay, what I'm reading is from their website as far as at least the descriptions. Obviously, I'm going to interject some things, but we're purposely gathering a group of speakers. You wouldn't necessarily expect to hear at a Christian conference. They said they're purposely doing this. In other words, they're going to have all kinds of people that don't have any kind of even claim to Christianity. Okay, they want to make sure this conference is as leavened and as secular as possible is what they're telling you. And the Bible says a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump, 1 Corinthians 5. And leaven is always a type of sin. So if you bring a whole bunch of devils into your church and speak, well, don't be surprised to see your church fall apart. Okay, But in this case, these devils have the same agenda as the devil of the pastor of this church, so all it's going to do is probably bolster the church, because they're all on the same page. This goes on to say, our aim is to be immersed in the latest thoughts and perspectives of these respected cultural icons. That, you know, that's what I really want. I want a lot of cultural icons that I follow. You know, an icon is essentially considered, like in Catholicism, like some type of idol that you would worship. And that's how a lot of these people are. They're, they're, they're highly esteemed among men. These people basically revere these people, even though they're leading them down to hell. There's not one person speaking here that's most likely not going to lead you straight to hell. But hey, you know... It's the way of the end time church. And then, so it says, uh, our aim is to, be, is to be immersed in the latest thoughts and perspectives of these respected cultural icons to tap into what's happening in our world today and to grapple with how we respond. So much for turning to the word of God to get these answers. No, no. Schuller's went beyond that. He's transcended good and evil. He has a conference where we can go follow cultural icons and really see what's going on and and, and usher our way into the the, uh, One World Church of the Antichrist. Another verse I forgot to bring up before, but really what you see here with people that have been in this and doing this all their lives, and and there's no sign of repentance, they're never going to repent. It's very obvious. Is their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Is exactly what... 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their consciences seared with a hot iron. So this is what we're dealing with here. These ones that are speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their consciences seared with a hot iron. They're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And when you go to these types of conferences, if you go and I highly advise you don't do it, you're putting yourself under the influence of these same spirits, which is very dangerous. The first speaker, obviously, is Dr. Robert Schuller. He's the co-host. As the Crystal Cathedral's founding pastor, Dr. Schuller is seen and heard internationally every Sunday from the pulpit of the Crystal Cathedral on the world's first and most widely watched hour-long church service, the Hour of Power. It should be the Hour of Apostasy. I wish he changed the name. He is a pastor, speaker, motivator, and author of Author, appreciated by countless of millions worldwide for his ability to encourage and inspire. Again, not a whole lot about the Bible in here. Dr. Shuler has authored 37 books, six of which have been made the prestigious New York Times and Publishers Weekly bestseller list. That's because he's not offending anybody, just like Rick Warren. You can't get on the bestsellers list and be putting out sound, biblical, hardcore doctrine. just doesn't happen. <clears throat> And then the next guy, his name is Miles McPherson. Miles McPherson is a transformation evangelist. Whatever that means. Now, obviously, this guy's trying to usher in the one-world religion of Antichrist. But he's, McPherson stands at the forefront of ministry mobilization. Using his progressive means to motivate the Rock Church's unusually contemporary, this is his church, the Rock, probably because they play so much Christian rock, uh, his This unusual, contemporary, young, and diversive 10,000-member congregation. He built this in just seven years. And and it was him and the devil side-by-side side building this. It wasn't God. can't build a church like that and, and, and have it be of the Lord. It just doesn't happen in today's day and age. And again, all you have to do is look at the fruit. Then the next guy is George Barna, George Barna has filled executive roles in politics, marketing, advertising, media development, research, and ministry. Next guy, which is the co-host, which we talked about extensively last week, Erwin McManus, whose main and chief goal, as we said, is to destroy Christianity. It's what he's flat out said, a direct quote from him. As the lead pastor and cultural architect of Mosaic in Los Angeles, whatever that is, Irwin McManus has led Mosaic, evidently that's the name of his church, in a pioneering enterprise whose primary focus is to serve the postmodern, post Western, and post Christian world. It pretty much is a post Christian world. I, I gotta I gotta agree. And the reason he says it's post Christian is because his main goal is to destroy Christianity. And he believes he's probably already accomplished that. And if you look around for the most part it has been done. There's only a small remnant, but the God always does preserve a remnant. Okay, and God can use that remnant mightily in the end times. Okay, And I don't mean like Joel's army where we go on killing people. But he can do mighty things through his faithful remnant. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So these are things you have to understand and have to keep in your mind as to not get intimidated by the masses that are in apostasy, that call themselves Christian, and then the more masses beyond that that are in other false religions. Because it's going to seem like the whole world's against you. And that's true. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So, but, remember, that the Holy Spirit lives inside you, that is that is the chief source of our power. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside the Lord Jesus Christ. These are things you need to look upon, not upon your own flesh. Because flesh will always fail you. Next guy they've got listed here is Bishop Charles Blake. Bishop Blake serves as the presiding bishop Of the 6 million member, Church of God in Christ. Now I've got a whole expose I'm eventually going to end up doing on the Church of Christ. Proving that the Church of Christ is more of a cult than anything else. And looking at what their doctrinal stances are. It's going to be very easy to prove that. And is also the pastor of the West Angeles Church of God in Christ. With a membership of over 24,000. These are some pretty heavy duty hitters. That old apostate Schuler's got. And then there's Mark Middleburg, best-selling author and sought-after speaker. Mark Middleburg is a leading strategist and consultant in outreach and evangelism. He is the author of Building a Contagious Church, Revolutionizing the Way We Do Evangelism. Oh, I'm sure that's right down the line biblical. Okay, so let's read some more Bible verses, as, as I think it's important to interject the word of God when we're talking about these reprobates. Isaiah 66, verse 3 and 4, Isaiah 66, verse 3 and 4 says, Yea, this is God talking, yea, they have chosen their own ways. Isn't that what we're talking about? Isn't this the essence, the quintessential essence of what we're dealing with when we deal with these apostate ministers? These are men and their congregations, they've chosen their own ways. They haven't chosen God's way. They've chosen what feels right. They've went with their heart. Okay, so yeah, they've chosen their own ways. <clears throat> and their soul delighteth in their abominations. See, the things that go on in the church are an abomination. Just like when Jesus went in and overcha- overturned the money changers, he said, you know, you've turned the house of God into a den of, of thieves. Okay, what was the main problem there? They were using um, filthy mammon, essentially, in the church. If you think about it, that the, what it boiled down to is money. Well, that's the main thing that's still... Going on in the churches today. If Jesus went into uh, the Crystal Cathedral today, he'd break all the all the uh, windows and, and over overturn the uh, you know all the places where they're making money, and then they're they're begging for money, all these pleas and stuff for money for their apostate to build their apostate religious empire to build these gigantic buildings. There's no there's no mandate from God where we're supposed to pour all these millions and millions into these apostate ministries so they can build their big buildings. None. Do you see any New New Testament precedent for that at all? I don't see the apostles doing it. I don't see Jesus Christ doing it. I don't see the martyrs doing it. Most of them all died basically without hardly anything. The Bible says the Son of Man had nowhere to even lay his head. But no, no. They want, they want to put all this money so that they're highly esteemed among men. <clears throat> and it's, so it says, And their soul delighteth in their abominations. And then God says, I will choose their delusions. See, God chooses their delusions. And will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes. And chose that in which I delighted not. Well, this is an absolute, total, accurate description of the modern, lukewarm, apostate church. Schuller is a great example of, of this whole verse. But notice it says, God says that He's going to choose their delusions. Isn't that kind of what the verse we just read in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it says, God shall send them strong delusions, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth? Isn't God the one saying He's going to be the one that sends it? So see, this is kind of a double-edged sword. We're preaching about something, or we're teaching about something today, and almost every week, that as a Christian grieves us, and we are reproving the unfruitful works of darkness, and we are marking them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. We're doing these things that the Bible says to do. We are earnestly contending for the faith. We are pointing out the hirelings and the apostates and the reprobates. We're doing these things. But at the same time, God clearly predicted He was going to be the one that sends the strong delusion and lets this happen. So see, God's still in control. And this has to happen. We're going to fight against it, Okay, but ultimately it has to happen. We're, we're called as Christians to be salt and light. Light exposes darkness. Salt is a preservative, a potential irritant, these types of things. But ultimately it's going to happen, you know, no matter what we do. But we still fight. We still contend. And then Psalm 97 verse 10 says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Well, so much evil is going on in these churches. How could you be in them? If you really hate evil, how could you just... Now I'm talking, you know, I'm talking about the really apostate churches here. I'm not saying every church has evil pervading at every level. Matthew 10, 34. Jesus said, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Oh, this doesn't get preached on very much. It never gets preached on in any of these churches. Well, they don't even have the right Bible, so. But Jesus said, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. This is Jesus Christ. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. End of quote. Jesus Christ said this. Well, that doesn't sound like the Jesus I serve. It's probably not. I mean, when you take a hard stance for these types of issues, generally it's going to alienate you from your family you're not going to have a whole lot in common with them. You shouldn't, if they're unsaved. That's why Jesus said, you know, He's going to se- shake everything that can be shaken. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. It's got to be done. Choose whom this day we will serve. So, that's Jesus, the Prince of Peace, saying this same thing. When is the Prince of Peace truly, when is it going to really be, peace? during the thousand year millennium, when Jesus comes back? We're not going to have peace up until that point. It's not going to happen. Matthew 6, 11 and 12. Matthew six eleven and 12. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake... Now this is Jesus talking to His disciples. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread? Now this is talking about leaven. We just talked about it before. Leaven is always a type of sin. That He spake not about bread that ye should beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, obviously that's not what we're talking, but the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's no different today. What are we talking about today here? We're talking about some type of strange doctrine, which is unbiblical. This new age, one world religion, put everything aside, no sin, be all, you know, arm in arm with the apostates doctrine. Back then because he came to his own people, the Bible says Jesus came to his own, and his own received him, not in John. Well, back then, the primary doctrine that they were dealing with, that was, that was leaven, was the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, as modern day Christians, yes, the Pharisees and Sadducees are still there, in the Jewish camp, but as primarily, the doctrine that we need to be aware of in today's day and age, would be like this doctrine we're talking about today. Schuler, Rick Warren, you know, Willow Creek Church, all this apostasy, all these men... That have departed from the word of the Lord, and are hirelings, and are wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay, so this is a great verse to apply to today's day and age, because there's so much false doctrine. And it's only getting worse and worse and worse. Um, But, we could just superimpose the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees with the doctrine of the lukewarm Christian church today. These apostates. And then Luke twelve one, the second part of it, it said, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, and then this is Jesus again, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. What? What's that? Well, if you're in the church, and I guess a good example would be, like, if you were an adulterer, and you were preaching against adultery. You would be a hypocrite. Because you're participating in the very sin that you're condemning. That makes you a hypocrite. Now, I know we've all been hypocrites at times. Okay, there may be times in the day where where we, where we sin, or whatever. And that's why it's important to acknowledge our sin. Because we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ. But these are people that... Preach on things and never repent, and never see themselves as as uh, evidently they think they're above sin. They've transcended good and evil. But this is part of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees: is hypocrisy in the modern day church. It's hypocrisy. They are they're neither hot nor cold. They're lukewarm. They're blind, wretched, weak, and naked, and yet they think they're in need of nothing. Yet they think you know they're rich and. They're, they're hypocrites. They can't see. They're blind. 2 Thessalonians 2, starting at verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be soon not shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, Nor by letter from us. See, that's why all the stuff that I'm saying, don't be troubled by it. Because the Bible clearly predicts it's going to happen. They were troubled back then. Can you imagine how much worse it is today? But he's saying, Be not soon shaken in mind, or troubled, or neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. It says then, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. What day? By the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto Him. Well, what is that? Whether you're a pre-trib rapture, whether you're post-trib rapture, whether you're mid-trib, or whether you're pre-rath. Okay, those are the only ones I'm going to address. Okay. Whether, whatever you might believe in there, it says that says, "Let no man deceive you, for that day shall not come." What day? the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto Him. Okay, our gathering together unto Jesus Christ when He comes back in the clouds. It says, For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, this is the apostasy of the church, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Oh, pre trib rapture people don't really like this verse that much. You know why? Because it says that there's two things that have to happen before Jesus comes back and gathers us together in the clouds. Two things before. Not one. They'll say, oh, no, they're just a falling away. Well, we already see that. That's everywhere. The falling away, the apostasy, that's what we talk about almost every week. But it says, and that man of sin be revealed. It doesn't say after that, in the man of sin be revealed. It says, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Those two things are going to happen. One's going to happen, the falling away is already happening. What's the next thing that has to happen? The man of sin be revealed. Well, that means the Antichrist is going to be on the scene. He's going to be revealed. That has a lot of, you know, not the best implications for somebody that's pre-trib. That's just a little thing. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit trail any further. I'm just saying, that's what the Bible says right there. Two things that have to happen before Jesus comes back in the clouds. Okay, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is when he also commits the abomination of desolation. At some point, three and a half years into the tribulation, he will commit the abomination of desolation, going in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. This is why the temple in Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. He says he's going to cause the oblation and the sacrifice to cease. That means that they're going to be sacrificing animals in there. And they're gonna—they may—they may say they're gonna be doing it to God, but they're not. They, Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That's an abomination to God. When they sacrifice animals, that's like saying Jesus Christ's blood isn't good enough. We need to have the blood of bulls and goats. We need to have—we need to go back into the law. That's why all these Christians, these Christian Zionists, and all these other ones that are putting money to actually get the temple rebuilt—what an abomination! What an absolute abomination! You talk about bringing a curse on yourself, but a lot of these Christian Zionists, oh yeah, we got to get that temple rebuilt. We got to do it. It's, it's insanity. So let's go further. Jim Burns, this is another speaker. Jim Burns, uh, Ph.D., president of Homeworld, is the host of Homeworld with Jim Burns. Daily half hour, daily one minute. Boy, you talk about a sermonette snippet. One minute. And weekly half hour radio programs. I'm sure he's right down the line. Don Moan, as a musician, he's another one, musician, songwriter, and singer, and worship leader. Oh, boy. Don Moen has earned critical acclaim and awards for his musical efforts. Don is also the executive vice president of Integrity Media and president of Integrity Label Group. In both roles, Don is realizing a dream of reaching and corrupting thousands worldwide with his demonic tools to bring them into the manifest presence of God. Now, I I inserted a couple adjectives in there. Sorry about that. But, the manifest presence of God. I wonder if he calls himself a manifest son of God, or maybe part of Joel's army. When 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 you start seeing this type of stuff, when they're trying to manifest themselves into the presence of God... I always think of the Pentecostal movement, because there's a lot of that in the Pentecostal movement. And you get into this, almost this altered state of consciousness. And, you know, the crazy thing about it is, is these Pentecostals go to these churches, and I know, because I was one of them, and they go, and, and there's all kind of sin in the camp. There's all kind of leaven in the church. And supposedly, they usher themselves into the presence of God. If that were the case, why wouldn't it be the first thing that God did, is rebuke them and upbraid them for all the sin that's in the camp? Why isn't he doing that first? Why would he pat them on the head and say, Oh, yes, you're in my will. And and, and you you please me very much. And all these other flowery things that they're supposedly told from God as they get in touch with God. As they use their drums and their electric guitars and all their ungodly, worldly means in order to usher in the presence of God. Yeah, they are ushering in the presence of their God. Small g, basically demons, fallen angels. It's an abomination. There's no such thing as Christian rock. It's all from the devil. And then Rupert Murdoch, who we've talked about at length. Uh, I don't really need to elaborate on him anymore. See the last teaching we did on Rupert Murdoch. He's a devil in the flesh. And then George W. Bush Sr., former CIA director, Skull and Bones director, Bilderberg member, the whole nine yards. Order the Garter. yeah, Good old George W. Bush. Okay, so then the next guy they've got here is uh, Don Nava. Don Nava, known to thousands as Coach. You know, I, I, Doug, I think I should be... Could you call me Coach from now on? I could be Coach. I'll wear a whistle, maybe a referee. Outfit. I'll do Coach, Referee, the whole nine yards. I'll wrap it all into one. I don't know. I'll wear some sweatpants when I... Yeah, maybe sweatshirt. I'll grow a mustache, look like a real coach. You know what I mean? I I need to have the the mustache going, I think. Maybe a handlebar mustache. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting a little crazy. But Don Nava, known to thousands as Coach, has been a wellness and fitness expert for more than 25 years. He has worked with both individuals and organizations from personal coaching of the NFL players and Silicon Valley executives to develop programs for private schools to conducting small group classes for children and homemakers. Okay, uh, a guy named Dr. Ben Carson, who's a pediatric neurosurgeon at Johns Hopkins, he's going to be there. Tim, Dr. Tim Clinton is the internationally recognized leader in the Christian counseling movement, a licensed professional counselor, and marriage and family therapist. He currently serves as president of the nearly 50,000 member American Association of Christian Counselors, the large, largest faith-based counseling organization in the world. Christian psychology or, or psychiatry is just a different form of witchcraft and mind control. Um, I can put, I can send emails out on that as well. We, we can expose that. Uh, but again, I don't have time to go down every rabbit trail today because there's so many speakers we're dealing with here. And then there's John Ortberg. <clears throat> teaching pastor at Menlo Park Presbyterian Church in Menlo Park, California. John Ortberg previously served as the teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. So he was formerly at good old Rick Warren's church. And then there's Dr. Henry Cloud. Dr. Cloud is the clinical psychologist. Again, we have another kind of shrink guy here. Clinical psychologist with the unique ability to connect with audiences, draw upon his broad range of experiences in private practice, leadership consulting, and media. That sounds real biblical to me. He simplifies life's issues and gives easy-to-understand practical advice, which has nothing to do with the Bible, I guarantee you. Sorry, that last bit was inserted by me. And then there's Nancy Ortberg, <clears throat> teaching pastor for eight years at Willow Creek Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois. So this is a different, evidently different, uh, Willow Creek. Oh, it's the same one. Okay, it's the same one. So yeah, she's um, she's a pastor, real biblical. you know. And please, if you have any questions on what the biblical qualifications for a pastor are, well, number one, you can't be a woman, I'm sorry, I'm not being prejudiced, but the Bible's very clear. It's the husband of one wife, whether it's a deacon, a pastor, an overseer, whatever you want to call it. Husband of one wife, not the wife of one husband. So she's she's doing something that God never, ever called her to. And then we've got Dr. Les Parrott, <clears throat> founder of the Center for Relationship Development at the Seattle Pacific University. That sounds like a real biblical thing. Les Parrott is a sought-after speaker to Fortune 500 companies and holds relationship seminars across America. Relationship seminars? Again, this is all using secular psychology, which is absolutely contradictory to the Bible, in order to accomplish their apostate goals. What is the purpose of this conference? To further dilute any biblical truth that anybody in the church might be indoctrinated into. To usher in the one world religion. <clears throat> and then there's good old Charles Colson. Internationally known commentator, columnist, and author Chuck Colson is the founder of the Prison Melo- Fellowship. His radio broadcast, Breakpoint, airs daily to 5 million listeners. He's an absolute total reprobate apostate. I don't even have time to go into all that. <clears throat> but I can, again, if you email me, I can get you the information. Stephen G. Gold, PhD. Stephen G or I'm sorry, Stephen G. Post. He is a professor of bioethics, philosophy, and religion in the School of Medicine, Case Western Reserve University, where he has been, sir, since nineteen eighty eight. Well, again, that sounds real biblical. You know, some secular professor. Dr. Post was selected by Sir John Templeton as the founding president of the Institute of for the Research of Unlimited Love, Altruism, Compassion, Service, which was founded in 2001 with a generous grant from the Templeton Foundation. A totally illuministic, satanic organization awarded him this... this uh, he, he, was, he was selected by Sir John Templeton as the founding president of the Institute for the Research of Unlimited Love. Isn't that special? I feel like getting into a lotus position right now. I mean, hey, come on. Dr. Post has written several scholarly books on love. And is the editor-in-chief of the definitive five-volume encyclopedia of bioethics. Oh, I'm sure that has a lot to do with Christianity as well. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. <clears throat> and then we have Phil Cook. According to CNN, filmmaker and media strategist Phil Cook is a rare, is rare. He's working, he's a working producer in Hollywood with a Ph.D. in theology. Isn't that great? We're bringing Christianity into Hollywood. Isn't that, I'm sure all the the, the films are going to start changing, right? They're all going to start to reflect the biblical Christianity that we all, you know, know and love in the Bible, in the King James Bible. I, I doubt it. Th- that guy looks flat out evil. This picture of him—he he looks like he's just fresh out of his last um, first church of Satan meeting. Sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, the guy doesn't look nice. And then we have Do- Donna Schuler as the wife of Crystal Cathedral senior pastor, who um, you know, Mr. Big Schuler, Robert Schuler. Donna Schuler works closely with her husband, Robert. In his daily ministry. Now, this woman looks like it's his granddaughter. She looks like some type of of runway model or something. She looks like she's young enough to be his granddaughter to me. I'm sorry, but that's his wife. So, I'm sure, you know, they're all biblically married and everything. Um, George Foreman... The two-time world heavyweight, he's another one. Two-time heavyweight world champion, boxing champion, Olympian gold medalist, and author of God in My Corner. Ah, uh, you know, like, like the play on words where God's in his corner in the ring. George Foreman uses the celebrity, his celebrity, to share how God has been with him in every milestone in his life. Right, George. And he's going to give a George Foreman grill demonstration in the foyer at 2.30. Okay, just so you know. Sorry. Because this is coming up, this is the 17th through 19th, so we're right on the cusp of this. I mean, I know me and Doug are gearing up for it. We're, you know, we're going to have a caravan of people over there, and we're going to. Uh, it's a long way for us to drive from Florida to California, but we're going to. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to make it. They're no, just kidding, just teasing. Anyway, and then we've got Dr. Robert A. Schuler succeeded his father, Robert H. Schuler, as the second senior pastor of the Crystal Cathedral. Um so oh, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Donna Schuler is married to this doctor Robert Schuler sorry okay i'm I'm at least glad about that because it looked like it was young enough to be his granddaughter. This was his wife, okay, they've got the same names one le- one letter different, so spare me a little grace there, so he succeeded his father, Robert H. Schuler, as the second senior pastor of the C- Crystal Cathedral Ministries and its hour of power television program watched worldwide. By more than 20 million people each week. I'm sure he's really a good chip off the old satanic block. And then we have John Gordon. Who we talked about earlier in last week's teaching. Is the author, I mean, new age guru extraordinaire. Okay. John Gordon is an author, speaker, and driver of positive changes in businesses, schools, and organizations. See, this is the problem with their little excerpt that they're presenting. They're not telling you all the apostasy that these people write, and I'm sure if I did keyword searches, I could do studies on every one of these people. But for time's sake, it's just not practical. Um, we talked about him last week. John's most recent book, "The Energy Bus: Ten Rules to Fuel Your Life, Work, and Team with Positive Energy." Doug, are you gonna? I, I got a gross of these ordered for you. I just want to let you know. I, I I ordered a whole bunch for you. Yeah, yeah coach. He said thanks, coach. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Maybe we could combine some type of really religious term with coach, like pontiff coach, or monsignor coach, or something. Pontiff coach, maybe? I don't know. Coach pontiff. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, we had a little fun here. Um, So yes, he wrote The Energy Bus... Ten Rules to Fuel Your Life, Work, and Team with Positive Energy recently became an international bestseller and has captured the hearts of readers. I'm sure it has captured their hearts. Their deceived, delusional hearts. NFL coaches such as Jack Del Rio, PGA Tour, and FBI have called on John to inspire and benefit their teams. He has appeared on CNN, co-hosted a four-week series on NBC Today show. And coached and Curry in the process. So he's a coach too. Clients include the Dial Corporation, Wells Fargo, Burger King, Dell, and Chubb Insurance. Also call upon John to get their team on, quote, the bus. And get them moving in the right direction. Yeah. Straight on their way to hell. That's the only direction he's moving them. And then there's Chris Say. Is the leader in the emerging church discussion? The Emerging Church. What is this Emerging Church? This is this whole church that Rick Warren is going to try to usher in with the Five Point Peace Plan. This is the One World Church of Antichrist. Okay, it's the Emerging Church. It's actually pretty accurate. It's the Emerging Apostate Church. He is a church planner, author, and third generation Baptist preacher. Oh, yeah, he's really going to the fundamentals of the faith. He was the founding pastor of the University University Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. One of the earliest examples of generational church planting. Currently, Chris is the president of Ecclesia Bible Society, where he is orchestrating a scripture project known as The Voice, that seeks to retell the biblical narrative with the literary beauty and great poetry and story as well as historical and timeless truths what does that mean that means he's got his own little bible he's coming out with called the voice which will retell the biblical narrative see they're they're deluding and perverting see the revised version of 1881 when that came, when Westcott and Hort the occultists came out with that that was just the beginning Virtually all these other versions that have spawned from that, American Standard, the NIV, all these other versions came from that version, but now we've got versions upon versions of perversions. It's almost a tongue twister. And he's got his own, called The Voice. As the pastor of Ecclesia Houston, Chris leads a unique congregation that is living out the gospel faithfully in an urban environment. Oh, I'm sure they're living out the gospel right he is also the author of seven books, including The Gospel According to Tony Soprano. Oh, you mean like on... what? What is that show? The, uh, the Sopranos? Yeah, on HBO or whatever. Ungodly as you could possibly get about the mafia. But see, he's got The Gospel According to Tony Soprano. Now, I'm assuming that Tony Soprano might be a, a character on that show. I don't know. And that... Um, I mean... I, if that's the case, then it would be like the Mafia's version of the Gospel. That's pretty pretty apropos for, for what we're talking about today. And then he's got another book called The Gospel Reloaded. Now, Doug, I, I did. I ordered you a couple of those. So they're they're on their way from Amazon. And then The Last Eyewitness. Again, I'm interjecting humor along the way here. And then there's Dr. Michael Gillen, three-time Emmy Award winner. Well, that's what I always look for for a, for a good guy I'm, I want to get biblical truth from. Some guy that's been really prospering in Hollywood and, and you know, the, one of the devil's chief tools on the planet, you know, Hollywood. And yeah, he's... So he's a three-time Emmy Award winner, best-selling author, and former Harvard University instructor, Dr. Michael Gillen, is known by millions as the ABC News science editor, a post he has filled for 14 years. And then there's Jay Sekulow is the Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, a law firm and educational organization that specializes in constitutional law. He's also Chief Counsel of the European Center for Law and Justice. They don't take it near far enough, let me tell you that, in regard to defending the faith, not even remotely near far enough. And that's a whole other rabbit trail to go down. And then there's Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz has established himself as one of the most successful college football coaches of all time, including seasons at head coach of Notre Dame. Good old Lou. And then there's Gary Smalley, president and founder of Smalley Relationship Center. That's kind of a funny name, Smalley. Smalley Relationship Center. You have to be, there's a height requirement. You cannot be more than 5 foot 2 tall, 5 foot inches, 2 inches tall, to enter their rehab program. Sorry, I just made that up, sorry. Anyway, anyway he is, uh, Gary Smalley has become one of the best known authors and speakers on family relationships. He is the author and co-conspirator, I mean co-author, of 28 award-winning books, along with several other popular films and videos. And then there's Ben Stein. He is a lawyer, economist, and commentator on finance, and a well-known actor and Hollywood personality. Yeah, it's... I'm, I mean, I'm just getting charged up talking about these guys. I mean, can't you guys wait? I hope they... I mean, I know we can't go, the people here in this room, and probably a lot of people listening, but, you know, maybe they'll archive it or something. I don't know. And then there's Lee Strobel, a former spiritual skeptic. Lee Strobel is the best-selling author of The Case for Christ... The Case for Faith and Surviving a Spiritual Mismatch in Marriage. He's a pastor at two of the country's largest and most influential churches, Willow Creek and Saddleback. Wow! So you can see Willow Creek and Saddleback are well represented at this conference. And they're at the very forefront of bringing in the one world religion. In, from the Christian standpoint. From the pseudo-Christian standpoint. Then his latest book is The Case for the Real Jesus. Oh, yeah. I bet. And then there's Jason Elon. Jason is the Vice President of the Content and Programming for GodTube.com. Now, I've had a lot of people email me and say, Hey, brother, you need to get your teachings on GodTube. No, I would rather have my teachings on Google or YouTube. I really would. You know why? Because they're secular. And I don't want to have anything to do with this apostate I don't even want to yoke myself up with them. I would rather be on a secular thing. Now, granted, there's a lot of things that you can go up there and view that are, that are good, but you've got to really glean, and there's a lot of wicked stuff up there too. Okay? But I would much rather be on Google, or YouTube, than I would GodTube. I don't want to be yoked up with them. For the very reason of all the things I'm talking about today. They take no stand on any of these issues we're getting into today on GodTube. Or if they do, it's minimal. I'd get kicked off the first week anyway. So anyway, he's... he And just the fact that this guy speaking at Schuler's conference should tell somebody that's up on GodTube that they need their... they got to rethink things. In addition to being a rogue entrepreneur, Jason is a sought-after speaker and a gifted author with experience in ins- institutional finance, private equity, and leadership development, and interpersonal relationships. He has published two books. His books are titled, now this is the guy that's the vice president of content and programming on GodTube. His two books are Undressed, The Naked Truth About Love, Sex, and Dating. That's his first book. Undressed, The Naked Truth About Love, Sex, and Dating. Evidently this is from a Christian standpoint. And then his second book is MySpace. My Kids, A Parent's Guide to Protecting Your Kids and Navigating MySpace. Here's what you do with MySpace. You don't get on it. You don't let your kids get on it. There's all kind of wickedness up there. He has written a screenplay and has two projects in development. He's a former Rhodes Scholarship finalist. Oh, imagine that. Cecil Rhodes, the guy that started it. Rabbit, Homosexual, and Diamond Miner. Total illuminist to the... Total core. You don't even get you don't get nominated unless you're fitting into their agenda. Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. Did you know that? And he don't look like much of a scholar to me. It's not about that. It's about will you do the devil's work? That's about getting those Templeton awards and these scholarships. Are you doing the devil's work? Okay. Well, then we'll honor you. We'll honor our own. That's how the devil is. He honors his own. He'll give him some accolades. And then there's Dr. John Townsend, clinical psychologist. Here we go again with another psychologist. The, the very main tenets of psychology do not, are diametrically opposed to the Bible. All these guys like Jung and Freud, and all these guys were absolute, reprobate apostates. If you look at them, devils, sick, perverted stuff I can't even get into. But he's a clinical psychologist and co-founder and co-director of Cloud Townsend, Inc. John Townsend is the best-selling author of Hiding from Love and co-author of the Boundaries series, Twelve Christian Beliefs That Can Drive You Crazy. Sounds like a real biblical book to me. Twelve biblical beliefs that can drive you crazy. Twelve Christian Beliefs That Can Drive You Crazy. That's one of his books. Well, actually, no, it's 12. It's a series. So, yeah, that we, we've got some real defenders of the faith here today. And then we've got Kathy, Kathy Ireland, former supermodel, swimsuit model for Sports Illustrated. Kathy Ireland is the CEO and chief designer of Kathy Ireland Worldwide, a design firm dedicated to, quote, finding solutions for families, especially busy moms. I'm sure all her clothing is biblically correct, too, you know, the the woman being covered in the whole nine yards. I mean, she set such a great example with her swimsuit line and stuff like that. I I can't see there would be a problem. And then, founded by Kathy in 1993, this organization includes a wide array of products, such as apparel, jewelry, bed linens, flooring rugs, home furnishings, lighting, decorative accessories, candles, and hand-painted porcelain. Forbes Magazine reports that her organization is a design empire, which grosses over $1 billion annually in retail sales. See, he's got some heavy hitters at this conference. And then there's, there's um, Ben Vereen, entertainer, lecturer, humanitarian. Ben Vereen has had a long and successful Broadway career, including such shows as Pippin, Wicked, Fosse, I'm Not Rappaport, Sweet Charity, Hair, and Chicago all titles with short but sweet names, and apostate to the total core. He received the Black Theater Award in 2002 as award-winning one-man show, an ever-changing cabaret-style show. Isn't it like cabaret stuff usually associated with a whole bunch of like sexual innuendos and overtones? Yeah, but he had his one-man show, an ever-changing cabaret-style show, has graced the stages of U.S., Europe and Asia, and the Caribbean for over 25 years. He is currently touring in a, quote, Vereen sings a tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. And continues to appear in movies and TV shows. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr., one of the original Rat Pack from Frank Sinatra. Sammy Davis Jr., a card-carrying member of the First Church of Satan, with Anton LaVey, was his basically his... First Church of Satan pastor. There's pictures of Sammy Davis Jr. and Anton LaVey side by side. He was a First Church of Satan member. Okay, this isn't something I'm making up. But Ben Vereen's doing a tour right now, where he's going around, sings a tribute to Sammy Davis Jr. He's, he's doing a you know, touring touring the the, the globe. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I would want speaking, you know. And then there's Dan Kimball, author and speaker and pastor of Vintage Faith church in Santa Cruz, California. Dan Campbell helped to found the church in 2004 to reach a new generation of people in a post-Christian culture. We really are post-Christian. <laughs> For the most part. How can they use the word post How can they How do they have the audacity to use the word post-Christian? Do you know what that says? That basically says I've given up it's post-Christian. There's no such thing as Christianity. We've done away with that. We're going to usher in the age of Aquarius. Lord Maitreya is going to come on the scene with all lying signs and wonders or somebody like him as the Antichrist. We're going to have the ascended masters and all these other guys. It's post-Christian, guys. We need to just get away from these Christian tenets. They're admitting it. They have the audacity to admit this. I've read that that word post-Christian two times describing these people. I didn't pick up on that when I was reading this the first time. Dan is... Dan is adjunct facility with George Fox Evangelical Seminary and is pursuing a Doctor of Ministry degree. He is the leading voice in the emerging church discussions. There we go again with the emerging church post-Christian. They're not even hiding it anymore is the point I'm trying to make. They're coming out so flagrant that they're saying Christianity is dead that we are living in a post-Christian culture. Now, I understand, you look around, it does look post-Christian. But you know what? We're not post-Christian. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. He hasn't went anywhere. And he's coming back on a white horse, and he's going to straighten everything out at the end of the tribulation. And then he's going to rule the rod of iron from Jerusalem for a thousand years. We're not a post-Christian there's still a faithful remnant. Kimball's writings are often focused on interfacing with culture in the church. Oh, this sounds very politically correct to me. How we can cow down cow down to the culture and not offend anyone and draw people into the church so we can have a church just full of leaven, full of sin. That's what Satan wants. That's his goal. Just to have the church full of sin as possible. Nobody judging nobody. Because if everybody's pointing a the finger, they'd have four fingers pointing back at themselves. Dan's books include, They Like Jesus. That was one of them. They Like Jesus. And then another one's entitled, But Not the Church. Oh no, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. I don't know if these are separate books or what. They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. Oh. Isn't that the lie from the pit of hell. See, that's what man ultimately wants. He wants to say, yeah, Jesus was this nice guy that came here. We like him. He was just one of the main, gr- main great prophets. But we don't like the church because the true church tends to stick to the Word of God. And the Word of God condemns me in my lifestyle as a sinner and these types of things. And the Word God says there's a narrow way which leadeth to life eternal. And few there be that find it. And I don't like those terms, because it offends me. And my heart is telling me that God's a loving God, and He would never do that to me. And I'm basically a good person, and He would never send me to a devil's hell, because I'm basically a good person. I do good things. I, I pray the rosary. I give to my church. I do this, I do that. All my works, so I can take credit for when I stand before God, as though God's going to let that happen, even though the Bible says, for we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as doth a leaf. Isaiah 64, 6. This is what the Bible says about us. Our best day is a filthy, filthy rag in God's sight. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Well, what's a sin? The Bible says the very thought, the very, um, that Bible verse that says, the very thought of foolishness is sin. Have you ever had a foolish thought in your head? Well, the Bible says the very thought of that is sin. That would qualify as sin. Okay? But, you know, he wrote this book. They like Jesus, but not the church. Yeah. And then, he wrote another book called The Emerging Church. He, he's really out there. This guy, this guy's really, really flagrant. The Emerging Church. The Emerging One World Church. And then, The Emerging Worship Because, see, you've got to get into an altered state of consciousness through worship in order to let the demons and devils come into you. Don't you understand that? The Satanists and the occultists know it. this is why they like to use drugs to get into this altered state of consciousness to invite the devils into them. guarantee you that's going to become more and more part and parcel of the church too. Let's get high before we go to church. That's coming. If it hasn't already, it's probably already here just may not know about it. And then there's Kay Warren, Bible teacher and advocate for women and children affected with HIV and AIDS. Kay Warren and her husband, Rick Warren. See, Rick Warren's well represented at this conference. He's not speaking, but he's well represented. His wife's there. He's got all kind of ministers that are there that were... And see, she, she's the advocate for women and children affected by HIV and AIDS. See, this is part of this five-point peace plan we're going to do all these good for the poor, we're going to feed the poor, we're going to clothe them, we're going to redistribute wealth, and we're going to be one big happy family. It's the same thing Lord Maitreya is saying on his website, and all these other guys in the United Nations. Why do we want to have anything to do with it? I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying their motivations are demonic. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, um, yeah, she's, she's going to be there. Then Larry King, internationally known secular broadcaster and author. Larry King is the host of Larry King Live, the first live call-in show up on television where he, rep, where he interviews different devils, you know, several times per week. And it's now the highest rated talk show on air as well as the highest rated program on CNN. King frequently interviews high-profile guests and represents a variety of cultural perspectives. I guarantee you, they, this is a heavy hitter lineup here. They're going to have, they're probably not going to have enough people and enough seats in that church. And then there's Mark, Kavami. Mark Kavami focuses on software, and services for investments. In the Sequoia Capital, an investment firm that has the privilege of being the first investor and business partner in companies to make up 10% of NASDAQ's value. Wow. Including YouTube, Google, Apple, Oracle, and Yahoo. That's a heavy hitter there. Hey, only the best for Schuler's Conference. And then there's H.B. London Jr., Vice President of Church and Clergy Outreach for Focus on the Family. I'm good, James Dobson was represented here, or somebody from his ministry. H.B. London is a fourth generation minister who pastored for 31 years before joining forces with Focus on Family, where his role has been described as a pastor to pastors. Well, my question from that is, why isn't he absolutely on the airwaves every week rebuking the pastors for their apostasy? Because he's one of them. That's why he's not doing it. But he's a pastor to pastors. He's an apostate hireling reprobate to other apostate hireling reprobates. Would be a more accurate representation. London regularly communicates with thousands of pastors and church members each week through the pastor's weekly briefing. A fax network. And produces a bi-monthly pastor to pastor cassette and newsletter. I would highly advise you not get it. Now, if we go to, let's just quote the the verse from Revelation. Revelation 3.13.22, because I've said this a lot today. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, which has been, by many people have said that this is the most accurate depiction of the church today. The church of Laodicea. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. This is Jesus Christ talking here. In the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I I would thou wert cold or hot. In other words, he would rather the church be cold or hot. But they're not. They're lukewarm. Uh, Let's see. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will... So then, because they are lukewarm in either corner or high, I will spew thee out of th- my mouth. That's the that's the the um, future for this apostate church. They're going to get vomited out of Jesus's mouth. There's no other church that He indicts like this. Out of the all the churches they talk about in Revelation one through three, there's no other church that receives this type of indictment. Now, there's no kind of there's no um, Not condemnation, but commending them. There's no commending them on any point, essentially. But he says, "...because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, just like all these apostate churches do, these multi-million dollar ministries and their edifices, hey man, they're increased with goods, they have need of nothing." Remember, the Bible says, he that is rich will fall into many a temptation and snare. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, all these pastors are filthy rich. We've talked about that in weeks past. A lot of them have private jets. They fly around. And yet Jesus Christ, again, as I said before, had no place to even lay his head in the apostles. You look at all the examples in church history. But I guess we're better than they. Evidently, they think they are. But see, they're delusional. Because they say, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. That's what Jesus Christ thinks about the church today. That's what he thinks about them. Then he says, I counsel thee to, to buy me of gold tried in the fire. Which is the trial of our faith. I don't see them going through too much of a trial of faith. Okay? That thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And then... And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. See, if you're not living a righteous life, then the Bible says that the shame of your nakedness will appear because you're not clothed in white raiment. White raiment is the righteousness of the saints. Okay? And anoint thine eyes with eyesight that thou mayest seek. These people don't see at all. They just stay in this stuff. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. But see, I don't see that on them. Be zealous, therefore, and Repent. Re- Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him. And he with me, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even also as I overcame. See, what? how did Jesus overcame? Well, he ultimately, he overcame ultimately through the cross. Now, I'm not saying all of us are going to have to be crucified. But I'm just saying, he says, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit in me in my throne. Even as I also overcame, we're we're to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let's say, oh, I can't go, I can't be burned alive, I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, you know, in your flesh, you're right. You can't. You can't. But just understand it. It's not about you. It's the Holy Spirit living through you and giving you the strength to do whatever it takes in order to overcome. And I'm not saying we're saved by works. I'm saying this is a byproduct of salvation. The Holy Spirit living inside you. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. It's not enough yourself, lest any man should boast. Remember, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I don't live, but Christ liveth in me. Galatians 2.20. That's what we're talking about. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. And I am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. But see, they don't have ears to hear or eyes to see, or hearts to receive. Their consciences, unfortunately, seem to be seared with a hot iron. Now, I pray to God that some of these people are going to wake up. I don't want to see them go to hell. Even these apostate reprobates, I don't want to see them go to hell. But unfortunately, they've chosen their path. And I'm going to go ahead and close out this second part of the sermon, and we'll continue shortly.